There's voices. Now we have voices. Now we have voices. Good start. That's fine. I can edit that out in post. You're not going to do that. I might. Okay. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed if you do. Hi, hi, Doug. I might do I what I want to do. Whatever. Whatever. I'll do what I want. All right. That's pretty good. Cool. We're here. Hello. Hello. We have an assortment of topics. Yes. Team Direction Podcast, April 25th, 2023, episode 573. And this is right there. Yeah. We're going to do hodgepodge type stuff tonight, but not just like loose him without a plan. We There's a plan. Of course there's a plan. Uh, primarily, we're going to talk about a few different things. It's like a mini headlines, and then there's going to be some NBA playoff stuff. I know. Don't roll your eyes. It's actually been a fascinating playoffs from the first round so far. Um, we got to talk about one of the worst bosses ever. And then we might even talk about the Mario movie because at this point, I'm not sure if Sean's going to see it. I'm not sure if I'm going to see it. But it's a big-time phenomenon, so Dave at least has the right to talk about it. I just like I, I figured it's like right up our alley for at least reviewing for the show. Sean sees every movie under the sun and can't see one of the most popular movies in America right now. Yeah, that one's a little more perplexing to me because me, I don't... I mean, I saw Creed 3 this year. That's, that's it for my movie view, viewing, and I don't know... I guess we're going to see Guardians 3, which we're doing as a group. Otherwise, I don't know that I'd be doing that. Um, are, you, are you doing that when you're here in Phoenix? Cause yeah. I should, probably, I should probably have Courtney's eat too. So. Well, and that's when we can probably review as a group. We'll all see that. <laughs> but uh, as far as the Mario movie goes, I mean, I I could see it. I'm not opposed to seeing it, but I'm also, I just don't often feel like, oh, I'm just going to go to the movies today and be there for three hours. <laughs> so... So we'll give you a chance to talk about that, but that's later. I think we should start with the NBA playoffs because it's happening right now. The Suns are playing the Clippers. It's the end of the first quarter, and I don't have the game on. I'm just watching the score bug, but still, it's happening as we speak. So let's talk a little bit about the Suns. We're not going to go into great detail on them because we'll do a bigger thing at the next stage, whatever that is. Hopefully, it's talking about the next round after tonight, but you know, we're not going to jinx anything. But just so far, Suns up 3-1, up 2, end of the first quarter tonight. What have you thought about the playoffs for them so far? I mean, the most, the best part about this playoff so far is that we're up 3-1 on a team that we should be up 3-1 on. I mean, really, we played like garbage in game one and um, gave that game away. I really, I, I think we gave that game away. Kawhi was amazing in game one, but we really gave that game away. Um, and the only thing I've heard is negative from people. Like, we have the top scoring duo in the playoffs right now. Booker is... I think objectively, well, until Jimmy Butler last night, the best player in the playoffs so far. Um, and yet all I've heard is negativity and complaints, which is probably a good thing knowing that our fan base expects more from this team. But we're up 3-1. We're up by two at the end of the first quarter. I mean, from the Suns, I don't know what else I can really ask for at this point, except maybe the bench should do a little bit better. Yeah, a little more bench contribution would be nice. They're not going to be playing a ton of minutes this time of year, so it's like I don't have high expectations, but they have still not met my expectations so far. Campaign is back tonight, so hopefully that helps, and maybe our starters won't have to play 45 minutes. I don't know. Crazy talk. Um, I don't know. I This is where I'm grateful that I don't even really read our own social media slash message boards anymore let alone other teams. If anything, I read other teams more just for the schadenfreude of it because, I mean, Chris Paul was, like, washed as of, like, halfway through game two, and DeAndre Ayton was a useless piece of shit and all this other stuff. It's like, 
my God, we're not even waiting until games are over to overreact. Now we're just going straight into it mid-game. And even though, you know, somebody might have a 15-point quarter later, but right now they're a piece of shit and they should die. That's the uh, instant reaction culture that we have. I mean, I will say, and you know, Chris, I was pretty I was pretty heated after game one. And the reason why I was heated is because I knew we gave it away. Sure. And I was only, I, I wasn't afraid of losing the series necessarily. I was just mad that we gave the game away in a very winnable game in the playoffs. So that was really it. To me, this is just, I guess, a difference in expectations, but like giving a game away entails blowing a lead and not, I mean, we were trailing pretty much the entire last stretch sure. of the fourth quarter. And yes, with a bunch of different plays and better involvement, that wouldn't have happened. But I walked away from game one being like, eh, the Clippers we, uh... barely won with all of this stuff. And yes, as fans, we always paint it in a pitch that's going to look better for us. So you can always be like, oh, well, in this game, we only shot eight of 34 from three. That won't happen again. Or this game, this player had foul trouble. That won't happen again. It's like, well, there's probably some stuff for the other team that also will be better. So some of that stuff is misplaced. But even if you're trying to look at it empirically, we did a lot wrong in game one and still almost won. And that was when Kawhi was playing. Yep. And, and I think that's what bothered me is that we had that huge run in the third quarter where we were up, but we were up by, I think we got it by eight. I think we went on a 15 nothing run or something like that to go up by eight. And that was like, all right, cool. We got this. And then we blew it and gave away that lead, ending the fourth, third quarter by our bench. And so that was really what got me heated for game one. But other than that, I mean, like I said, Booker's been the best player in the playoffs so far, and it's been amazing. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. We've watched Devin Booker grow his entire career, and we know the strides he's taken each season. The smaller in the recent seasons because he's already very good, but this is an entirely different level. And this is a different level from two years ago in the playoffs and even in the finals and last year, obviously. And we... Who knows how much the hamstring stuff was still bothering him in the second round. It's all excuses and nonsense because at the end of the day, we still got destroyed by the Mavericks in Game 7 no matter what the excuses were. But fully healthy Devin Booker is a sight to behold because even with Kevin Durant on the court, he's better and it's not close. Now, I'm not saying that like Booker's had a better career, obviously, or that Booker's even a better player right now at this moment. He's showing it so far, but Durant also clearly has another gear or two. But the fact that it's just the way it is right now still is, speaks volumes to how good Booker's become. It's he's Booker. It's Booker's team. Like it's the same thing. And uh, you know, Kevin Durant haters will say this, but it's like it was Steph's team in Golden State. It was Booker Booker's team here. I don't think Durant really necessarily cares. He just wants to win, which is what the best part of Durant is for me. Is he's like whatever. I don't care if it's Booker's team. I just want to win a championship. So let's do this. Yeah, I just want to play basketball. I like, think I think it. he cared when he was still with the Warriors. As part of why he left and did the whole thing with Kyrie, but whether that's the benefit of more time, or age and maturity, or just how bad things were in Brooklyn overall, now I think that's probably true. Yeah, it's like I don't, you know, I, I don't need my flowers. And he's even yeah. said like, even if I do, some folks are going to criticize me anyways. So what's the point? Mm-hmm. Now, what's nice is, I mean, people have rightly pointed out the massive amount of minutes we've been playing against a shorthanded Clippers team. There's no denying that. We can't be like, oh, we're just beating the hell out of the Clippers. Well, no Paul George all series and no Kawhi after mysteriously getting hurt in game one, playing the rest of that, all of game two, and now apparently he's dead again. I it just it's stunning how quickly things turn with him. It's one of those okay, well, he looked really good in game one. Man, he looked really good in game two, but the Suns were able to pull it out. And he's dead. What he died. He just 
Okay, I, like it just comes out of nowhere. Like usually the reports are, uh, Kawhi tweaked his knee in game two. We'll see how he goes. Ah, uh, he's questionable. Ah, he can't go tonight. That's usually how it goes. And it was just, all right, Kawhi looked great in game two. Oh, he's out for game three, and he actually hurt his knee in game one. And there's what? no timetable for his return. It's just, it's stunning. It's just, I I cannot imagine what it's like to be a Clippers fan for a multitude of reasons. Really, mm-hmm. one, you're the little brother of the town to the Lakers and that's not about success or anything that just is um you are constantly cheering for an underdog that's never won anything and when you finally do get a good team it's with two of the guy to a guy that is amazing when he's on the court but never can actually be on the court yeah and that's after the lob city era which infamously came up short on numerous occasions and then that's after the brief surge where they had, you know, the Elton Brand teams where you know, the Suns dusted them in the playoffs. Yep. But it must be tough. I mean, it's coming from a fan base with no titles. We've at least had a lot of success. Again, if your ultimate metric of success is championships or not, then we haven't won a championship. <laughs> but it's the fifth or sixth winning this franchise in NBA history. We dipped for a little bit there because we were so bad for 10 years. The point is, like, we should be able to commiserate with Clippers fans, whether it's on injuries or not quite living up to expectations. But the Clippers can fuck off, so I don't care. It's kind of the, that's kind of the problem with it is that I can't stand so many players on their team. And so I agree. Like, it's been fun watching Marcus Morris get cooked. Just absolutely look like he doesn't belong on the court. I, I've, I've had a lot of schadenfreude in that. Yeah, that's nice. And I got to be honest, I hate a lot less other players now. Not a big Paul George guy. He annoys me, but he's not playing. Pat Bev is gone. Rajon Rondo is long gone. So, like, when we're thinking about some of the the main people, like Marcus Morris is still there, yes, and fuck him forever, but I have nothing against Kawhi. I'm not a huge fan, per se, but, like, I have nothing but respect for his game when he can play. So I, I walk away from this, like, I was super invested, and it was also the Western Conference Finals, but two years ago I was like, I want this team to die. And yeah. now I'm like, eh. Like, I wanted to lose, but I'm not like, every fiber of my being is furious. Well, yeah, I mean, you watch somebody like Norman Powell come on and be like, dude, well done. I'm I'm amazed by you right now. You watch Russell Westbrook resurrect his career in a way, and it's like, all right, dude, like, I'm proud of you. I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of your game, but you try. You give a shit, that's for sure. So. Yeah, Jack Rock says, if Kawhi and George were healthy, this would be the best series of the first round by far. Probably, I think, you know, Kings Warriors is a strong contender, although the De'Aaron Fox stuff is certainly complicating that a bit. Yep. But either way, uh, there's been a lot of entertaining series in the first round, even in ways that we weren't expecting. We have a seven seed and an eight seed up 3-1 in their respective series, and we'll get to all those in a bit. Um, the last thing I was going to mention was the Westbrook thing that you talked about. This series has changed my opinion of him by like 5%. Yeah, I get it. Which is a lot. <laughs> You know, especially for a player as entrenched and who's been along around uh, around as long as he has. Like, I, <laughs> look, I don't love his game, and his inability to see his own shortcomings is one of his greatest strengths and weaknesses. But at the very least, I can respect the fact that he plays his ass off every single minute he's on the floor. There is no load management. There is no nothing. So, like, I especially as the modern NBA keeps showcasing more and more injuries and all this other stuff. I got to give a little bit of respect to Russ for what he's doing in this series. It's, but it has shown what he can, the only way he will thrive is when there is not another star on the team because 
Game one with Kawhi, three of 19. Yeah, he hustled his ass off and made a lot of plays, winning plays down the stretch of that game, no doubt. But he shot terribly. And he really only started scoring and being the Russell Westbrook that's kind of like taking over a game when he had full reign of going at it. And he's just, again, we've always said about him, he he's one that just is not going to win you games. He'll try his ass off and, and look amazing and wow you with his athleticism, but he's not going to win games. That's kind of the problem. It's been yep. that way most of his career. And people will go, well, he led that OKC team to this and that. It's like, nah, mm, nah. His MVP year, they were a seven seed. Yeah, mm. They were, what, 46 and 36 when he won MVP or something like that? Yeah. So, again, but, I'm not going to all of a sudden be like, I love Russell Westbrook, but I do have to acknowledge the fact that it's a rare sight to see someone go that hard in this NBA, especially someone that, again, like in his case, is no spring chicken anymore. It's not mm-hmm. old and washed, but like to give that kind of effort on a night in, night out basis and not really complain or this or that, I give a little bit of respect. A little. Um, in the other series, man, I got it. Another player that I have questioned how much I like as far as a player goes, Jimmy Buckets, man. Whew, what a game last night. I like, again, a guy who gives a shit when it matters. And, play, but the difference is he plays winning basketball in the playoffs i've seen him go like okay this is the game that matters in the regular season he's kind of like he coasts a lot it seems so it's just interesting seeing that yeah but like maybe that's the way because yeah. in light of that performance last night i even i was thinking you know we just talked about paul george Kawhi leonard whomever load managing the entire season and then getting hurt anyways to the point where it's like why did we bother then because now you're a worse seed because you didn't play them as much and the intended goal didn't work anyways. So maybe it is better. Now, it's tough for me to want to encourage people to coast to the regular season. But, you know, the Heat, with their talent level, I mean, yeah, Butler's great, and is pretty solid, and then question marks as to who the Heat's third best player is. I mean, it's a hero, but he's not. He's hurt. So, mm-hmm. like, what, what are they supposed to do anyways? They, they, they ran the risk of missing the playoffs by him coasting so much. But if it's to flip the switch at the right time, who really cares? Because I'll take this yeah. over the Paul George experiment. Exactly. And uh, it's it's really intriguing seeing uh, Milwaukee down 3-1. I mean, they're going back to Milwaukee. You expect them to win that game. But, man, can they win in Miami for game six? Oh, boy. I mean, Duncan Robinson all of a sudden is an NBA player again for the first time in a couple seasons. So that's interesting. Uh, trouble, really. Right? Pretty much. Yeah. And, like... Like you said, I mean, you would expect them to win that, but I would expect them to win game four. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are very good. I picked them to win the title because I respect that team and that uh, roster construction so much. But Chris Middleton was damn near invisible in game four. Uh, Drew Holiday had a terrible shooting night. Giannis is clearly not 100% and reportedly got treatment after the game as well. So, like, there's some red flags. We know 3-1's doable. It happened to the Suns twice in consecutive years, for example. But it's back. not easy, two. even with two at home, to beat a team three times in a row. Yep. Um, yeah, well, well, I mean, we'll see, because it's my thought was playing either the Celtics or Bucks, and it's going to be real hard to play the Bucks if they're out in the first round. So I'm not going to cry over losing them, that's for sure. No, and shout-outs to Jay Crowder getting DNPCD in Game 4. And maybe out. you should have hung around, huh, buddy? Yeah. We probably could have used you for a bit. That's funny. Yeah, we probably could use you in this series, actually, which is what's sad. Yeah, it would have been nice to have him around. I don't really hate the guy, but the way he left, I'm not a big fan of, so uh, enjoy it or do not play. Yep, exactly. And a game that you, I feel like you could have contributed to. But Now, the Bucks 
I I still think they'll come back and win that series, but it's real shaky. I wouldn't want to put any money on it for sure. Right. You mentioned the Celtics, so did Jack Rock and Chat. Yeah, they kind of threw away a chance tonight too. And look, I'm not saying they're going to lose their series. No team's ever come back from 3-0 down, as has been well chronicled. But like, they can't be thrilled to be going back to Atlanta only up mm-hmm. 3-2 if for no other reason than it's a tick, 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 tick on Joel Embiid having time to get healthy. Exactly. You want that series to start sooner than later. And uh, um, Kevin Durant's on the ground. Okay. He seems okay. Okay. Sorry, I looked over to the side and saw Kevin Durant holding his back. That's bad. But he should be okay. Um, Russ just keeps trying to kill him. That's all. Yep, it's bad. But he's okay. He's okay. He just okay, he's shooting free throws. It's okay. Yep, he's fine. His mom looks worried. <laughs> well, she always does. Yeah. Um. Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, the Celtics. Celtics, who were up, I think, 13 with under five minutes to play and then gave up a run where they lost the lead. And then yep. they were given a gift on a jump ball where the Hawks just fell asleep. They didn't try and control the tip or stop Robert Williams from running all the way from center court where he took the tip to getting an uncontested alley-oop. So they gave away the lead with 25 seconds left, even after their ferocious comeback. But then Trey hit a dagger three. They had a kind of a weird inbounds play, and then it left him with like .6, and Tatum missed a heave at the buzzer. And so all of a sudden, 3-2. And again, like yeah. I'm not saying, oh my God, they should be worried. Like the Celtics are clearly the better team. But DeJounte Murray's coming back, and they're at home in game six. So, again, even though I'm not saying that the Celtics should be worried, they certainly are not thrilled about that outcome. No, you got to feel like you, you let one go. And, yeah, you got two more chances, so you should be okay. But anytime you can close out a team, and like the Suns are right now, if you can close out a team and finish it up and say, okay, we're going to go, we're going to have it so we don't have to play anymore and we get some rest in between rounds, this time of year, you always need it. Always need it. Yeah, and while we're mentioning DeJounte Murray, um, we talked about, you know, some dumb things that happened near the end of the regular season involving the Timberwolves, for example. Uh, that was awfully stupid, too, to go up and bump and yell at a referee after the game was over. I mean, you, you can't touch officials. Everybody knows this. And while he talked today about some of the reasons behind that, I guess they have a bit of a history. It's like, regardless, you can't be doing dumb shit like that. You put your team in a terrible position in what was going to be an elimination game. The crazy thing is, if he would have stayed three feet back and screamed at him and just yelled obscenities at him, he'd get fined, yeah. probably. But he wouldn't have missed the game. Yeah, it might be a hefty fine, but yep. you don't get suspended yep. in a critical oh. game. So and if I were a Hawks fan, down. just like when we talked about, you know, Gobert or McDaniels or whomever else, I would be furious with Murray. Mm-hmm. But it seems that they, I mean, they, they made it through, so we'll see if he can come back the next game. Speaking <clears> of dumb decisions, Dylan Brooks. I I mean, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to be bravado. He's doing the Pat Bev type of th- thing where he, he's, you know, not that talent of a guy, so he's got to get by on his grit, his hustle, his, uh, his demeanor, his attitude, all that buzzword crap. But, like, really, how dumb do you have to be to be like, hey, LeBron, I'm, you suck. I don't think anything of you. I poke bears, all that nonsense. It's like, don't, don't. Don't just play your game, man. Like just play, play hard, get in a trash talk him on the court where no one else can hear you. Don't do it publicly. I would almost rather he had done it after the series was over. If Memphis had won, <laughs> which is still really shitty and like just terrible sportsmanship. And I wouldn't have liked it either, but at least then it's like, all right, you won on the court and he can't hurt you anymore. So like talk your shit, I guess in this I, case, yeah. it's like, it's one, one when he makes these comments <laughs> and you know, I don't, <sighs> 
on the one hand, people were like, oh my God, LeBron's going to dump 40 on him now. And I'm like, I don't think LeBron should need random Dylan Brooks comments to get up for a playoff game. Like that shouldn't be the thing where it's like, oh, you know, I was going to go 60% tonight, but now, now I'm going to try. However, it's still incredibly stupid to give anybody extra bulletin board material this time of year. So watching Dylan Brooks self-destruct the last two games has been pretty cathartic. Yep, and I kind of can't stand the guy ever since he was on Oregon. I mean, I remember him back in college and not being able to stand him. So um, I will say that he also, um, LeBron did take a little bit of, uh, he had a little extra yell there, I think, when he scored on Brooks in the overtime period. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of screamed a little extra, I think, on that one. Yeah, which... got a little extra off of his chest for that one, for sure. Yep, yep. Um, and he's earned it, so why not? Yep. Uh, 20 rebounds, though. Gee, I mean, a 20-20 game for a guy who's 38. Jeez. I mean, it's phenomenal for everything you just said, but also Memphis missed so many shots in that game. There were an awful lot of rebounds to go around. There sure were, but, eh, I mean, can't take it away. <laughs> Somebody's got to get him. Yep. Um, Chad Rex says, I hate LeBron, but he's a freak to do what he's doing his age. I mean, yes, I agree. I I still, I if you're a Celtics fan, I guess you can, I can understand the LeBron hate a little bit more. I just, the guy's an amazing basketball player, and I can't help but respect him. Sure, yeah. never gonna be my goat, but nope. I, I you know, I, that's that's fine. Let's just hope he doesn't try to get it more this year. Um, <clears throat> anyway, other series. Uh, Speaking Matt, of dumbasses, <laughs> Draymond <laughs> Green. Draymond Green. Um, how do you stomp on somebody? I mean, I get like. He was wronged by Sabonis grabbing his leg. Sure. He was mad about it. I get that. How do you forcibly stomp? Like, if you would have just fallen over, like, tried, looked like you tried to run and fall over, Sabonis probably would have had some sort of discipline against him. But instead, you slam your foot into his chest, and you get suspended for a game. It didn't matter, again, but still, how do you do that? Makes no sense. I mean, at this point, I, I know there were some people who were really trying to do some acrobatics in defending him. Yes, I was a little surprised that he was still ultimately suspended. I think the problem is whenever you get thrown out for a flagrant, a lot of times part of the judgment on that is how much time was left in the game when you did. Because if you th get thrown out halfway through the first, qu first quarter, like Dylan Brooks did, then that's basically a game suspension on its own, right? You missed almost the entire game. With you know six minutes left in the fourth quarter, like yeah, that's a pivotal stretch of a playoff game. I get it, but again, it's like okay, he grabbed your foot. Everything you said was correct, but it's like as soon as you got your foot loose, instead of stepping forward or stepping else anywhere else, you stepped with force directly on a man's chest. Mm -hmm. And again, if this is some random player, I don't know that they end up getting suspended. But Joe Dumars repeatedly cited the whole history aspect. And while Draymond was trying to be deliberately obtuse by being like, well, I don't know. I don't have really any other flagrant twos in the playoffs except for the one that, you know, cost his team a championship. Um, <laughs> the point is, like, that's not the problem, Draymond. It's your other flagrant ones. And I was like, you, you said flagrant twos to try and muddy the argument. We all know what you are. And a lot like Dylan Brooks, you almost have to have that competitive fire to be better than your talent. And he's a talented guy. But, like, don't then turn around and pretend like you don't remember all the nut shots, all the raking of the eyes, all this other shit where it's like, I like Draymond as a whole, but stuff like this makes it almost impossible to root for him, especially because I can't be like, well, Pat Bev sucks for this stuff, but Draymond Green's good. It's like, no, the more you pull dirty shit like this, the harder it is for me to like you either. It's amazing how many accidents Draymond has on the court, isn't it? I didn't mean to kick him. My leg just flew up. Yeah, oh, really? Hmm. Weird. Huh. Weird how that works. Weird. I didn't mean to stomp on him. He's holding my leg. What the hell? 
I don't have anything to say about the other series that much, to be honest. Like Timberwolves, Nuggets, Timberwolves could force a game six tonight. It's tied at the end of three. I, um, I, only, other, only other one, uh, Sixers, uh, you know, if Embiid comes back, they'll be fine. The Nets, Mikhail looked great, Cam looked great. But again, I mean, I, I hate to point it out, but they can look great. But if you don't win, that's what matters. As good as Mikhail has gotten, he's never going to be a number one. No. And I don't think he was really intended to be. This team is obviously in flux and some of their draft stock that they've just gotten from Austin others is going to shape that team going forward. And they could also land a free agent this off season. Oh, there's not many available. Um, so like if he, I mean, he could be a really good number two, which is something we probably didn't think before this season. Um, so, I mean, again, no, nothing but love for the two of them. They were both pretty bad in game four, but at that point the series was over anyways. So like yeah. whatever I was, I was thinking they were going to at least maybe win that with no Embiid with Harden kind of being eh, at home, but, couldn't quite pull it off. It's just one of the things that, like, it's just those Suns fans who were iffy about the trade and then saw Mikhail scoring 40 at times and being like, see, see? And I'm like, guys, Durant just put up 28 on, like, 12 shots. Like, can you calm down, please? Yeah, and he did it effortlessly. <laughs> exactly. And then the last series is, you know, Nick's Cavaliers, and the only thing I'm going to say to that is uh, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that except, I mean, it's kind of fun seeing, I saw some videos from New York where people were pouring out on 7th Avenue cheering for him. It's like, you know what? They say the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. I don't know that I buy that, but it is kind of fun. It's a passionate fan base, and I don't mind them seeing some success because they've been bad for so long. But, you know, at the same time, I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not a big Cavs here. guy, so I'm happy to see them go home. Yep. And then who knows? I was going to say, well, the pro- neither team's going to beat the Bucks, And it's like, well, will it be the Bucks? <laughs> Well, is it neither team is going to beat the Heat? Yeah, I guess we'll see, huh? I guess we'll see. Yep. So that's essentially our quick NBA playoff roundup. There's other stuff we could really talk about, but that's the biggest points, and, like, that's fine. Yep. We're going to be watching the Suns, although we only have four more minutes till halftime, and then by the time halftime's over, we'll be basically done, but yep. it's fine. It's fine. Um, Next topic. We're done with basketball. For next now. topic. Let's talk about Pity City. It's in the title of the episode, so I have to make sure we get to it. Otherwise, I'm going to look awfully foolish. Yeah, Nick, I had a photo bomber. I had my, you know, young kids. They just sneak in. I didn't even see him until I was on the camera. So, you know. I mean, I I saw it, but I, I yeah, he's my kids, behind been... your head. He's, I, 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 this is the only view I have. <laughs> um, why don't you introduce us, sir? I just found out about it today. So you probably saw this story going viral about a week ago. We already had plans for last week's show, the tier lists, or something I might have brought up then. But essentially, uh, Miller Knoll, which is like a furniture company, they do some other stuff as well. They had like a Zoom call that leaked when there was a CEO that was talking to her employees. And while the speech started off relatively positive, by the end of this like minute 45-ish clip, she basically like rails on everybody because like a, 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 an employee basically asked like, uh, "What's the best way we should stay motivated if we don't get bonuses this year?" Because they were talking about how there was a bit of a financial shortfall and like hadn't met their goals, etc. And all of a sudden, she went off. Um, I pulled up the quote just so I would have it, which is, "Don't ask about what are we gonna do if we don't get a bonus. Get the damn twenty-six million dollars." And it's like some kind of like I guess how short they were of a certain target. We don't know exactly what, but spend your time and your effort thinking about the twenty-six million dollars we need, and not thinking about what you're gonna do if we don't get a bonus. All right? Can I get some commitment for that? And then a little bit later, she said, 
I had an old boss who said to me one time, you can visit Pity City, but you can't live there. So people, leave Pity City. Let's get it done. The sad part about this is if this was in a small group of executives, a small group of like VPs, presidents, whatever, like department heads, I actually don't mind what she said because it's like, hey, people who run this company, you're in charge of making up this shortfall. Get it done. When it's random employee who works at a retail store, that's a horrible thing to say. Like, what are you thinking in this situation? Yeah, random employee, you're the one who's going to make up this $26 million deficit. No, he's not. It's, yeah. it's ludicrous to say and just tone deaf. And we know CEOs and other high-up positions are generally loaded up with their own versions of bonuses and other compensation. So it comes across as especially tone-deaf when you know that person is taking home a much more sizable bonus, and maybe they aren't getting their full bonus or a bonus at all either. So sometimes you can commiserate. That's not how you commiserate. No, I mean, you, you say things about how times are tough. You point to the different employee services that might you might have out there. You point to the idea that, you know, we're going to work together as a team and make sure that we maintain, like you deflect and say like, hey, we've been able to hold on to employees instead of downsizing despite this short, like whatever it has to be. You get to a CEO point by being a bit of a politician. And I cannot figure out for the life of me how you do this. And maybe you think it's only happening because it's a private call. Well, nothing's private. Like <laughs> it just assume it's not basically. Yeah. I work in an industry that's had its share of struggles, and I'm not going to talk about specifics because I ain't trying to get my ass fired, but there was a bit of a kerfuffle a few years ago over somebody getting a bonus in a higher-up position for restructuring debt. And then, you know, eventually their backlash was so strong about somebody getting this much money over basically reshuffling deck chairs on a Titanic where it was like, everybody gets a personal day. Well, great. that <laughs> Terrific. Um, I wish I could talk more about that story, but I cannot. What I do want to say, though, is I think the original story, because I saw that obviously going viral on Twitter and some other spots, and you know, news outlets picked it up, was bad enough. But, like, I'm with you. I There's a decent message in there somewhere that was really just conveyed horribly. The response, however, was what I took issue with because it was two-pronged. One was the company issuing a statement that said... uh she's sorry, but it was not that really that big of a deal. And her words were taken out of context. I want to be very clear about something at this particular moment. And I don't really need to do this for our audience because all of you out there who are watching and listening are smart and intelligent. And that's why you're here. However, as a message to anybody else who might be new or from outside sources, if the entire two minute clip of a conversation is posted, it's not taken out of context. Okay. Let me be really fucking clear about that. Because if you need to have an entire, let's say, hour-long interview to have context, and if you can't remove any part of that at all, then you've missed the part entirely, okay? Missing things is not an acceptable excuse for being an asshole, and taking out of context only applies if you take something and splice it and put it together or do something that misrepresents what you said, okay? So this is just one example of many, but like... Shut the fuck up about things being taken out of context when 95% of the time, that's not what it is. Well, and the, the whole context, or not the entire context, but m the vast majority of context was there. The yeah. employee's question was there. The response was there. That, I, if it was they just took the quote and that was it, okay, maybe I can see that, but that's not what happened here. So it just, again, tone deaf. Tone deaf, so bad. 
And even then, you can argue just the offensive part of the quote is still enough context. But you're right. The clip that went out included pretty much the entire lead up to that and then the question and the response. So, like, I don't know what people want. Do you want because no one's going to sift through a 60 minute clip to get to the very end where that happens. It's not going to happen. No. And it's overall, again, I, I, I don't think. I think she's probably frustrated in the sense that their sales have gone down and they're like in a probably a bit of a precarious position as a company. And so maybe she's on edge. You're a CEO. You just can't do that in public spaces like that. Nope. Tuck says CEO is still going to get $4 million on stock benefits on top of a million salary. Yeah, she gets about $5 million in compensation. So those numbers are about right. I think it's like $1.1 million in salary. That was um, last year's numbers from the article that I saw. So they're uh, releasing the publicly traded company. They're releasing that information in um, August of this year for what her 2023 compensation yeah, is. Yeah, so uh, and you have some time to lower that. Yeah, and if there was any plan to get her any kind of bonus, it sure as hell better not be now because yeah. there will be an uprising. Yeah, and I want to say, like, I'm. I don't want to sound like a CEO apologist, but I think people do undervalue their importance sometimes. Um, and the reason they get paid so much, especially in successful companies, the problem is, is what you hear about is sinking companies who decide, well, we're sinking, so we're going to fire a bunch of jobs. And then bonus, CEO gets a $30 million bonus. It's like, what? Those aren't concurrent. Like, you sucked at your job last year. Why are you getting a huge bonus? Right. Because so, the leadership aspect of it is sometimes undervalued. You also have to be the person ultimately responsible for anybody underneath you, which mm -hmm. is no small task at times, even in just my capacity. And I'm not exactly a huge person by any means, but like I have several things that I run. And sometimes it is annoying having to be like, oh, that person screwed up. Well, I'm going to go explain what happened and talk somebody down. And like it, it comes with the territory and I get compensated more than others because of it. So like I get it. However, like you said, the optics of this are horrible, whether it's inside the company or outside. Because there are some times where you see somebody who goes viral for something, and it's like, okay, maybe they went about it wrong, but they're, like, they're really trying to rally the troops. They're really trying to boost internal morale. Like They went about it the wrong way, but they're really trying to get everybody on their side. Like, come on, guy, we can do this. This is the opposite of that. I think it was intended to be that, but it's hard to see how anybody else would have thought that that was a positive. And you could see that yeah. from the viral response. Yep, exactly. And it was also visible in her apology, which is the other thing I mentioned. I said two things. I feel terrible that my rallying cry seemed insensitive. Is not an apology. Okay, let's be very clear about that. So the same person yeah. who made this mistake also didn't bounce this off of enough people with HR or someone else to realize that when you apologize, you actually have to take ownership. And that's basically the same as, I'm sorry you were offended in just a few more words. Yeah. What I hoped would energize the team to meet a challenge we've met many times before landed in a way I did not intend, and for that I am sorry. A little better, but still. Even that kind of sounds like this is a challenge we've met many times before. This is where reading and subtext are fascinating to me because that could be exactly what it is. Like, we've done this before. I know we can do it. I just wanted to tell them they could. Or it could be we've done this many times before. They screwed up. And that's why I'm in this position to begin with. If they had just met their goal, I wouldn't have had to say that to them. So without tone and other stuff, I don't know. I, I'm not giving her the benefit of the doubt, given everything else. But all of that is like, man, you just need to have... If you don't have this yourself, if you don't have this intuition, if you don't have this innate empathy, make sure you surround yourself with someone who does. And then be careful what you say, even when you think it's private, because... Yeah. It's 2023. <laughs> 
So like, yeah. I assume nothing is private. Now, what's nice yeah. is I don't often say things where I'm worried later on about like, oh boy, I, I've got out of hand there. Or, you know, it's like a, we're not talking about a Donald Sterling thing where I'm like, oh, well, I was casually racist on that phone call. I hope nobody was recording me on the other side. But still, there are certainly times where I might lean towards a phone call if it's something of a particularly sensitive nature because I don't want to send an email or I don't want to have a Zoom call where it's a lot easier to record that stuff. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean yes. I'm doing something wrong. It just means that if there is any fear of blowback or something being used against you, you might have to be careful in 2023 because, again, and that's not, that's not even just like corporate America. That You could be walking down the street. We've seen videos of like Karens assaulting people in parks and like whatever, right? So just mm-hmm. in general, just assume that maybe there's somebody watching, security cameras, people's got phones everywhere with cameras. Like just maybe be on your best behavior. Maybe just be – let me boil it down to something more simple. Maybe just don't be a trash person. It doesn't seem like that difficult of a thing to do. I don't know. It sure is awful tough for a lot of folks. For some people, it tends to be, and I don't – they can't They can't control themselves because they're right, damn it. Mm-hmm. Nick says, with inflation and such, I feel like a lot of people are taking public salaries under an electron microscope right now. I mean, look, from the journalism perspective, I can tell you that my previous boss, the person who used to be the editor, was big on that. If if there was a new head coach hired for the NAU basketball team, one of the earliest graphs in that story was going to be, how much they paid him? Because people care a lot. And it makes sense to an extent, especially for the NAU example also involves like taxpayer dollars, so it's a little different. But at the end of the day, People want to know if they're getting their money's worth, even if they're not truly actually spending money on it, but more so like, well, this person gets paid $500,000 a year and they don't do jack shit. That's the kind of stuff they care about. Yeah, it's making sure that the the people work, so many people work difficult jobs and don't feel like they make enough to make their make it worth their while. And yet if they see people of positions where they don't have to seem to seemingly work that hard and make a lot of money, it really really ticks people off yeah so that's the ceo that's the name of the episode pity city pity city it's i mean it's kind of clever again if you were in a small room of four people it's kind of a good thing to say like get out of pity city and get on get off your ass and work heads of departments don't say that to random employees who yeah who (laughs) don't really control that yeah exactly and even if it was because of their performance it's your job to make sure that they do better Mm -hmm. or replace them (laughs) All right, let's talk about the Mario movie because I was gonna, I was gonna potentially have a couple of political topics and eh. yeah, I mean it, it, whatever. Biden's running again and uh, Trump's apparently running again, and so here Tucker we go. Carlson's We're, gone. Yeah, I mean whatever. I, uh, Don Lemon's gone, which yeah. I'm kind of. I mean they're both kind of jerks for their own reasons. So kind of, anyway, yeah. Um, Mario movie. Spoiler free because I it's still relatively new. So and Chris hasn't seen it, so I'll keep it relatively spoiler free. But um, is this a good movie? <laughs> Questionable. Is it an enjoyable movie? Yes, absolutely. It is full of Easter eggs. It is full of things that make you have little warm and fuzzies. Uh, the plot is there. I don't know if that's that can give a better. Um, endorsement as far as the plot goes, but it exists. It's kind of what you expect the plot to exist as, but yet it's satisfying. The voice acting is great. Jack Black, I mean, I from the first trailer I saw him, like, damn it, he is going to absolutely kill this. Yep. And he did. Um, Charlie Day was fine as Luigi. Um, Chris Pratt was okay as Mario. 
Um, they did have uh, Charles Martinet. Thank you. I almost said Martinet. Martinet is uh, a character in there, which I saw in the credits, which is kind of nice. And it, really, it's just fun. Like, I know it's not this great movie, but they did a good service to fans of the series, to fans who grew up with this. And I enjoyed it. I really did. Nick's sort of in lockstep with you. Says everyone has a movie from their childhood that when they see it again as an adult, they remember it as being a lot better. I think that'll be that movie for my kids. It was a very fun movie still. Yeah, I think, look, Illumination kind of has a track record. And one of the things that they do frequently is basically fan service. And for a movie like this, I'm not even necessarily saying that's a negative. I think, I mean, I've seen you know, clips on Twitter and people talking about it. So I know, you know, at a certain point, they're driving on Rainbow Road in carts. You're like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, that's like the video game. And you're like, the whole thing seems to be akin to that, where it's like, here's a bunch of different references. Like, Cat Mario's in there. Nobody really knows why, but it's Cat Mario. Cool. Like, all this is well and good. And for the sake of kids who are gobbling this up, like, there's no tomorrow, mission accomplished. Because what did you expect for a plot? Like you said, I mean, you're expecting some rich, deep narrative. They could have but I wouldn't expect them to. And I don't even know if kids would want to see it if they did. But if you really look at the Mario series, is there a deep lore that is involved in this? Like, hey, there's these two plumbers from Brooklyn and they fell down a pipe and all of a sudden they're in this weird place where if you eat a mushroom, you grow twice your size or you touch a flower, you get to shoot fire. There isn't a reason for any of this. And they don't try to make a reason in this movie. And I'm kind of okay with it. Like, it it's not of this huge idea of where man we need to explain why mario is the way he is or why peach is the way she is or where she like maybe you can have more movies that try to go into that a little bit more but i I don't know i don't think you need it in a movie like this it was just fun um and it played hit the beats that you expected them to hit and i was okay with that Chuck Rock says Mario movie served its purpose perfectly and will make a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, that's something oh, yeah. that surprised me. Now, I expected this to do well. I wasn't expecting it to bomb. But the fact that we're talking about high-end Marvel-type numbers is a little surprising to me. Now, it comes at a time of year where there's not a ton else to go up against. And kids' movies always endure better than others because, you know, that's the one good option. There may be other high-concept flicks out there. But if you're taking a family, they're going to go see that. You're going to go see the troll movie with a bunch of cameos of people singing. You're going to go see whatever the hell's there, right? Cause kids. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to go see a rated R movie. This is probably going to hit a billion. And you know, I, I mean, I will say I generally don't like illumination. Most of their movies. I can't stand uh despicable me can just fuck right off. I hmm. hate minions. Um, that whole series. Uh, it just, all of those things, General Illumination makes movies that I don't want to see. The Grinch movie didn't like it. All, all those things. I normally trust Pixar and sometimes DreamWorks thanks to How to Train Your Dragon. But I will say, I think Nintendo had a huge hand in this as far as saying what you could and couldn't do with certain um, with certain of their IP, basically. And so I think Nintendo was the reason that they did a really good job of this is because they understood, look, people are coming to see this movie to see bowser capture peach and mario save bowser make sure that happens (laughs) yeah and you mentioned it already but i think the villain goes a long way because we saw that both here and with sonic where Mm -hmm. you have two people that can just chew up scenes and may have to in some cases now obviously the mario movie is animated but you know in the case of sonic it was even more out of jim carrey because 
Might have nobody else in the room for your scene when you're going off like this, but damn it if Robotnik wasn't the best part of those movies, which is why I'm a yeah. little hesitant about the third one. And damn it all, if Jack Black, like you said, from the first trailer, it was like, oh, as everybody's worried about Chris Pratt's Mario voice, but the takeaway from me for the first trailer was, oh, he's in, which I wasn't yeah. surprised by. Again, like Jack Black's one of those dudes, but like it became quickly apparent. Oh, yeah. This is At this least. is his time to shine. It was he didn't you could hear Jack Black in there, but he did such a good job of being like, no, this is Bowser. This isn't Jack Black with a growly voice. This is Bowser. And he sounded like it. Could you hear Seth Rogen and Donkey Kong? I'm just kidding. It was just Seth Rogen. I that that was one of the worst parts of the movie for me. I thought it was It leaked that apparently like he told them, you know, like I, I don't really do voices, so if you're gonna put me in this role, what it, that's it's just gonna sound like me, and they're like, "All right, bet." So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not a huge Seth Rogen fan as is, so that uh, didn't help at all. I could have gone another direction. I don't know off the top of my head who, but uh, I'm just not a huge Seth Rogen fan. So, but again, fun movie overall. I can't complain. So now there's talk about like, will they do a whole Mario cinematic universe? Which the letters are already taken, but sure, fine. <laughs> um, or a Super Mario cinematic. <laughs> Still not, Still not great. Doesn't really, doesn't, doesn't no. Um, which you could certainly do. I mean, we know there's other Nintendo franchises, some of which also don't have a ton of story that you could tap into and then do some kind of Smash Brothers Avengers thing. Like, sure, I guess. But I'm sort of with you where I'm like, Illumination's fine, but I'm not like over the moon about the prospect of them handling something that does have more narrative importance. <clears throat> Zelda. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, it certainly opens up opportunities. It doing this well means we could see more of this. My only hope is that it's actually good. I can say, I mean, there's a an end credits teaser, as I think that's what they call them in Mar- Marvel movies. Um, after the credits, there's a little teaser, so they could go that direction at the end of that teaser. Um, if they want to make a second one, and I'd be okay with that. Um, I mean, there's a bevy of, like, generations of Mario that you can kind of go to, going from the original Mario and those power-ups to Mario World. Um, going into Mario Galaxy, bring Rosalina in there if you want a little bit more of a harder, darker movie, that type of thing, and I've disappeared. Cool. Um, You're back. I'm back. Okay, hello. Um, um, anyway, so it, th- there's a way you can go. Um, I I wouldn't mind if Nintendo has this much control of seeing what they can do with the Zelda movie. It'd be interesting because Link is going to have to talk in a Zelda movie, and it's going to feel weird. But I don't mind it i i can't wait to see what great actor they get to play ganondorf because they're gonna have to and he's gonna have to nail it and it's gonna be pretty cool but i'm kind of intrigued to see what they can do yeah i mean benefit of the doubt for the time being because again even if this wasn't a stellar movie it checked most of the boxes you would hope that it would and it's fun and it's good for kids and it didn't I mean, look, at this point, we've expected a little bit more from our video game because we talked about, like, with The Last of Us. There's been a, and, you know, there's been a handful of projects that have actually lived up to the hype as far as converting video game material to other screen material. I, I don't... This is one of the better ones, and that still doesn't speak well to the overall efforts. It's gotten better recently, but the fact that this is still like, oh, this is a good adaptation, you're like, it wasn't a great adaptation. It's just our bar is still pretty low despite some recent success. Well, the hard part is, you know, we got sullied by the 1990s where our games were 
not expected to have deep backstories and the fun of the game was accomplishing the mission for lack of a better word of getting through the level you can't translate that to the screen very well so how are you going to make an hour and a half movie out of mario brothers in 1993 except going off in a wild direction which again i don't mind the movie so much except for killing you know the idea of mario like it was an intriguing plot it just wasn't mario which is a big problem yeah um and uh, nowadays you take the last of us for example as a good adaptation because that was a movie basically you're going through playing a game yes but it had a plot like a movie and cutscenes like a movie and now it's pretty easy to just take that story and be like all right we're gonna make it humans with people with ma makeup and make it where you know i'm gonna let the actor shine through instead of the voice actor and the animators of course counterpoint uncharted I mean, you can't hit with them all. <laughs> no, but I mean, you can even fuck up the one that seems to be a layup because yeah, Chart is true. another one where it's like, you're playing a video game, but you're also kind of watching a game at times and they didn't do a good job with that adaptation. So it doesn't, it helps. And that's why you know, Track Rock mentions Metroid as opposed to Zelda. It could, especially if done in a dark way, like he mentions, have a lot of potential. But my concern is that one of the time, well... All right, two other times we've had other significant speaking roles in a Metroid game. Other M, <laughs> and Metroid Prime 3, where everybody ends up just dying or turning on you eventually anyways. <laughs> so the difficult part there is going to be, while it would be phenomenal as far as like the potential for a big screen adaptation, you can't have much dialogue. I guess Wally showed us it's possible. But, like, a whole movie of not much talking? I mean, yeah, there's some stuff with her and Adam you could go back into if you're not going to ruin it. But, like, I don't know. It'd be t it'd need to be in the right hands, and I sure as hell don't think Illumination is the right hands for that. Well, I mean, I think Nintendo can do it. But, granted, their track record with the Metroid isn't, like, as good as their track record with Mario. Um, the big thing that it comes down to is when you have a movie like this, you can deviate a little from the game but not much because people who really like it will get real pissed off real fast. And those who know it well want to see your version of this story. So don't break from what's it. Your formula is there. Use it. And that's what I think companies are learning nowadays when it comes to video game adaptations is like, the the last of us for example took a character and had that entire episode that was not in the game but it was hugely revered because it took a small portion that people connected to and expanded on it rather than changing something completely and that's where i think you can win yeah it's kind of amazing to think now how much i don't know at best you could call it short-sightedness at worst you could call it egos were involved in looking at a video game as a source material and being like ah we don't need any things that made it that I'm going to do my way. I'm going to do it the way I think it should be done. I'm going to install my vision into it, and that's going to make it great. And it was terrible. And everybody went, well, what the hell? How did this happen? It's like, well, you didn't make a thing that was based on the IP you purchased. You just made a well, thing and coded it in that coat of paint. And I think that probably came from the idea of like people taking novels and changing things around greatly in novels. And not, not and many people getting upset about it because hey, whatever, not that many people read the book in comparison to how many people play a video game nowadays or how many people see a movie nowadays. And so the book crowd wasn't that great being like, ah, oh, yeah, I didn't like that they changed this. It just kind of, it was expected from books. From video games, I already saw it. I saw the same thing. And when you change it, my visuals of that, as opposed to my imagination of it, it hits harder. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's a visual so. medium, even if we're talking about 8-bit stuff, where you know yeah. it's going to look different if you look back at original 8-bit Mario. But nonetheless, it's a visual medium. Whereas, I mean, hell, half the time with books, it feels like the casting is as controversial as maybe potential changes to the material, because it's like, well, that's not how I pictured that character in my head. Yep. I will say, like, going from the book to movie adaptation is some of the stuff that they do when you read the book and enjoy the book feels insulting when they change it. Like ready player one was my biggest example of that, where I'm like, dude, you had actually a pretty good material in the book. And I understand you got to cut some stuff because the movie, the book's too long, whatever, but you dumbed it down to a level that was just like, you're insulting me at this point. So yeah. It, yeah. All um, right. You got to give it a it, score. Uh, okay. I get, well, Oh, I'll give it a score, but I want to comment real quick on Nick Fiala's. Um, they're going to be tempted to throw in an excuse me, princess. Oh, let me say that right. Excuse excuse me princess i imagine tom holland somehow is going to play link and throw that line in there and i'm going to make me want to blow my brains out that's my prediction right now <laughs> yeah does chris pratt ever say it's a me mario um yes only in a context of a commercial is that the one where charles <laughs> martinette's voicing him uh, a little bit um but as far as i know there was like one time i mean it's in the very beginning of the movie so i want it's not really a spoiler but basically they had their comical mario and luigi voices in a commercial yeah it's not and, real life and, voices yeah exactly that was the reason they, they're playing yeah. caricatures that's how they dropped the scar joe yeah there's the appropriation we need uh but just hey all right doug and nick throw it out here chat rock who's gonna play ganondorf that's i want your best suggestions of ganondorf in here so what well, i was gonna say matthew mercer <laughs> and he's already getting weirdly enough like he's being he's cosplaying as Ganondorf in videos from like 12 years ago which is why it's funny that he got the role for Tears of the Kingdom because um, he's a huge Zelda fan uh, Gilbert Godfrey there you go that's it <laughs> that'd be a that'd be a bad suggestion if he was still alive but you know he's not <laughs> Batista God, that, yeah. that hurts me to even think about <laughs> I mean Batista has the physical size to be a good Ganon, especially this more ripped Ganon we're seeing in Tears of the Kingdom. Who's no wonder Ganon, no wonder the Master Sword gets fucked up. La la la! I don't hear anything about Tears of the Kingdom. I've not watched a single trailer. I've avoided everything. I got mad at my son for putting on music from Tears of the Kingdom in the car today. So nothing. I don't yeah, hear the, the music from the trailer is really good. Yeah, well, I don't want to hear the it. Dude I don't want to hear Osborne from trail. Yeah, um, I'm blanking on his name, but I know you're talking. James was that Jameson Price originally? I think so. Who was the guy who played Thanos? Uh, fucking. Uh, I'm. I can picture the guy. Why can't I think of his name? I can just see him doing decently well and uh, switching over to the Gandorf role. Just maybe. Chat, save me. Who played Thanos? I can. I can picture him. And his name is like two shortish names. I don't know. I have no idea. But give a um, score. Okay, well, give a score. Uh, for on an enjoyment factor, it's probably a seven and a half, eight out of ten. As far as a movie plot, yeah, six and a half, seven. I'll get a seven. Seven out of ten. Yeah. Ten. Okay, that's fair. I mean, it, again, it's not a, it's not a, a blow, it's not gonna blow you away. It's fun. It's absolutely fun. Josh Brolin, there you go. There you go. Well, anyway, maybe he could do well as Ganondorf, but he's not a big name, and that's the only problem. Kind of a big name. I mean, kind of, but not to you know Jim Carrey or Jack Black level. I bet you Sean would have an argument against that if he were. Well, here. yeah, I know, but he's, he's not here him. though, so fuck him. All right, that's the end of this episode. We'll be back next week. We will not be back in a few weeks. I think, what is that, the May uh, 16th, I think we're missing? Yep. Uh, we had thought about trying to record something in advance for that, but instead we ended up spinning that into the series that we've been doing in the top 25 songs from certain series. Final Fantasy is wrapping up this week. It's on four today. 
So we'll have the number one for that at the end of the week on Friday, and then we'll have a wrap-up then. And then we're jumping straight into Zelda because it felt like a good lead-in for Tears of the Kingdom. So we'll be doing the top 25 songs from Zelda with Dave. With this Dave. I did it. I did it. Me. Me. I did it with him over there. Yeah. We just we haven't even finished it yet. We did the first 15 the other night, and we still have to do the other 10 this weekend. But we had a lot of fun doing the Final Fantasy one. This one's also been really fun so far. It's kind of a cool project, and it's a nice way to fill content too. So check I'm, those out just in time to I'm see really this one's making a run. Yes. Really happy. Uh, I, I turned the game off. I'm really happy that one of my choices that I thought was going to be controversial is still hanging around, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, because you're going to be extremely disappointed or happy. Yeah, oh, like a, I mean, like a nine-one run to start the half or something. I haven't been paying close attention, but they definitely yeah. cut the deficit basically already. Go Suns, go Suns. Yes, we're gonna hope that by this time next week we are playing being two of the next round series. Game one, actually, let's hope Minnesota wins, and then we're only in game one on Monday night. Minnie's down, we Minnie's down six with three minutes left, so not over, but not looking great. If either Minnesota or the Clippers win tonight, game one I think would be Tuesday if either team extends. But yeah, Monday or Tuesday, one of the two. So, yeah. we'll so see. it pushes it back from Saturday, and there's going to be a lot of time to rest, assuming the Suns take care of business, which we certainly think and hope they will. Yep, yep. Uh, it's uh, getting back to you know fourth quarter, let's finish this out type of deal. So Sure. That's let's the end of the episode. Thank you for joining us in chat, especially participative episode. So thank you for that. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're listening on the podcast, that's cool too. But come check us out on YouTube sometime because that's the fun way you can contribute to the show live. That's on youtube.com slash Objection Network, or you can check out our website, ObjectionNetwork.com. We'll see you next time.